Hello, and welcome to Broadening the Narrative. This is a podcast where I talk to people who are broadening the narratives I was taught within white evangelicalism. I'm your host, Nikki Pappas. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm so glad you're here. My first memoir, As Familiar as Family, is now available to purchase on my website at NikkiPappas.com. I'll share more about this at the end so we can get to today's episode. On today's episode of Broadening the Narrative, I am joined by a returning guest, Nandi K. Nandi is a Southern-born, queer, agender, and trans artist, activist, and podcast host. They released an EP with their band last year, which we discussed in season three of the podcast. And today, we'll be talking about Nandi's journey into and out of Hillsong Church. So thank you, Nandi, for coming onto the show again and being willing to have this conversation with me. How are you today? I'm doing okay. Thank you for having me back. It's always fun. And now like we met in person. So I feel like our relationship is just getting closer and closer. Yes, I know. But I can honestly say one of my new favorite things is following you on TikTok and like Ah, seeing your videos and the unboxing your clothes. And yeah, I joined to promote my book and to try to get some stuff around my book and have done that whole red flag series yeah. about things from church. So yeah, I think that fits in. TikTok? Yeah. How I like, like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a little different and yeah, I, I think open. it's a learning curve, but like creating to, I, at first I couldn't figure out how to even make a TikTok. Yeah. Um, but now, I mean, I don't put a ton of work into them, but Right. I feel like I get it now a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and yours are so good because you, yeah, you seem to really have a good handle on it because you'll be unboxing the stuff and then outfit change, outfit change. <laughs> they have the great little stop feature. You can like record and stop and come back. And I think it gives you a lot of like control with production. You can create yeah. pretty high quality videos. Yeah. Like just like in an Instagram story almost. Like, yeah. Well, so everybody really like. go follow Nandi on TikTok <laughs> and you'll get some good content. I love the, <laughs> the I love all of it. And like your singing. Oh, ah, so yeah. fun. That's yeah. Fun. Okay. Well, to start us off today, let's, you know, for anyone who hasn't heard your previous episodes, just want to open it up for you to share a little more about yourself, how you identify yourself at this point in your journey and whatever you think would be good for us for this conversation. Yeah, so, um, you know, I'm me, Nandi K. My pronouns are they, them. Um, I recently, like, kind of in the past few months, it's probably been at least six or eight months, made the shift from identifying as non-binary to identifying as agender. And that's just because I, you know, there's a lot of, like, community and, like, grouping that happens based on, like, very arbitrary things like genitals for example like mm-hmm. what does the fact that like you and I both have vaginas that how would that make us alike you know and like I was like I don't personally like identify with gender like in that way where I think like oh yes there are some experiences that people who other people perceive as women have in common but I mean, that's not all there is to like identity and experience is not an identity or it's not for me. And so I made that shift recently. Um, I think it's important to know that I'm a former Christian. I think that's very important for this story. I grew up in church. Uh, My mom was like a minister of music and church musician for a really long time uh, in my life. Uh, Hillsong was the last church that I went to actually no I went to one more church after Hillsong but um, yeah I have a big church background I I, everyone knows like I hang out with a lot of Christians like recently someone was like is anyone here a Christian except for Nandi and I was like I'm not a Christian like I'm like wow am I coming off wrong you know (laughs) like but yeah um, I definitely have like I would say I'm culturally like or I have been culturally Christian like in my life just because church is very much like very cultural um and yeah I'm from the south which I also think is very important around church church in the south is super important you know like bible bill I'm from like north florida um so yeah I think that's it yeah and like we were talking before recording that people who know you now or more recently wouldn't know that you were entrenched in 
the culture yeah. and that you grew up this way. And it's really fascinating to hear that it was just, it was just a part of the DNA of the experience of all of it for you and with your mom and her yeah. role in the church. So, exactly. yeah. So for you growing up, what would you say your experiences were like in your church growing up? Um, so my mom was a church musician. So one of the things I remember, like from before I was like 10, is like, we went to a lot of churches, like every Sunday we were normally at like a different church. My mom played different Sundays at different churches for different choirs. So I went to a lot of different denominations of churches and they all have like different rules. So like one of the first churches I went to was an African-American Methodist Episcopal Church, AME Church. Um, and then my grandmother's church was a Baptist church. I've been to primitive Baptist churches. I've been to non-denominational churches, which the church I went to like from middle school, probably through high school that I would say is like the church I really grew up in was a non-denominational um, church. Um, I would say it's like, it was like multi-ethnic, you know, um, much like very about like that teaching kind of teaching style, less preaching. Um, so I like, remember like having a hard time remembering the rules at each churches. There were like some churches I couldn't wear pants to. And that was like hard to remember. Um, but we lived in church. Like we were at church at least three times a week. Sometimes it was like four. I remember like having standardized testing and there would be like a church conference that same mm -hmm. week. So I would like come in, finish my test and like sleep on the floor because I was like out until like, you know, midnight the night before because my mom had to like play a service or we had a, a conference or whatever. Um, so yeah, I just remember like, being there a lot I was always like involved in the choir up until I was a teenager um my since my mom played and stuff you know I always sang so like the music was always super fun I still love gospel like to this day so like um yeah yeah like I wasn't even allowed to listen to like secular music until I was like 12 or something like that so unless my parents listened to it. so I grew up in like a pretty like strict single mom Christian household like yeah wow yeah just all of that together and the when we were in Alabama one of the nights um that would have been Saturday night of the trip mm. and you and Corey singing and yeah. yeah just feeling that in my bones and in my body uh these songs that you grew up with and that yeah. were yeah and just the sampling you got of all these different denominations and church contexts and how confusing that is to keep all of that straight. And yeah, and it sounded like, you know, the AME experience, but also a multi-ethnic uh, church yeah. experience at some places. So then along the way, how did you end up at Hillsong then with, yeah. with that as the background? Yeah. So by the time I moved to New York, when I was 22, um, so that was in 2011. I moved there in February and I had been out of church for like four years. Like after I graduated from high school, like my mom like put me out. And like after that, mm -hmm. I kind of stopped going to church. Um, that's like another story, but <laughs> I stopped going to church and but I have felt like God wanted me to move to New York. Like I had this whole experience and I didn't want to move to New York. But like I had this like thing where like I felt like God was telling me to move to New York. And then after that, my friend was like, hey, do you want to move to New York? And like we did. Um, and so a few other people from where I'm from, Jacksonville, Florida, had also moved to New York. We all were like aspiring fashion people at the time. And one of my friends who's who has since moved back to Jacksonville, but he just was like, hey, do you want to come to this church? And I was like, um, I guess, like, I felt like it was like kind of a sign, you know, like I'm definitely woo woo like that, where I'm like, oh, this is a sign. Someone's inviting me to church. I was like, what church? Because I had been to Creflo Dollars Church when I first got to New York. That was like one of the first churches I visited, but that was too much like what I was used to. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not into that like prosperity gospel vibe, you know, 
Um, and it was like, Curfew Dollar would like fly from like Atlanta to New York to preach. And I was like, that seems extravagant. <laughs> I digress, but you know. Yeah, so I went to Curfew Dollar's church. It was too kind of similar to what I was doing. But my friend was like, oh, I was like, what church is it? They were like, oh, Hillsong. And I re- I had obviously heard of Hillsong. Like, I grew up in church. Like, you can't grow up in church and never have heard of Hillsong. Like, shout to the Lord, big hit. One of my mm-hmm. favorite songs of all time. So I was like, cool, like, I'll come. And I came. I It was like between their first and like third Sunday at Irving Plaza. It was at the very, very, very beginning. Like, because I think, Carl and them didn't even get there till 2010 so 2011 I moved to New York in February so at the very beginning of the year um and I went there for the first time and like I had an incredible experience I mean like if anyone's listening or if you've ever been I don't know if you've ever been to like a Hillsong church or even a Hillsong Mm -hmm. concert but the production value is high like it's very high and especially in New York like I could wear whatever I wanted which was something like that in non-denominational churches I had really gotten used to like the come as you are kind of look but in New York there was like even another level to like what you could wear to church like when you're going to church literally in a concert venue Mm -hmm. um and yeah so I went that time and it was super cool the people were like very friendly you know there was a lot of different kinds of people and I kept going Mm -hmm. yeah yeah I mean I wanted to ask you what was appealing about Hillsong to you but it sounds like you're you're kind of already sharing some of that it was like based on what you had experienced you're like okay I don't want to go this avenue again okay well this is something different I can you know in a way come more as you are come more fully as at at that point who you were and dress how you wanted and that kind of thing would you say there was anything else um in the production of it you know anything else that sort of was drawing you I think also like moving to New York it was like my first time moving away from my hometown like I wanted community I was looking for friends like how do you meet new people? Like New York is a very lonely city. I got to say for a place that has like so many people living on top of each other, it's very lonely. I'm not going to say it's hard to make friends or anything. I think it's quite easy to make friends, but um, it's a lonely place. And like how Mm -hmm. you, that these are the kind of places, like I know that you create community at church because I grew up creating community in church and now I've moved back to my hometown and like people that I grew up with in church are still my friends, you know, mm-hmm. like those people. So like I do, I was definitely looking for like community and like, I, that's what I knew. I knew church as community at that time. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's so interesting. Cause that's part of my journey coming out of yeah. the church I'd been in and then realizing, and now we've been going to a church, but it's in Hawaii. We live in South Carolina, oh, so wow. we're going yeah. virtually. Right. And so it's like having to wrestle with missing that built in support system and mm-hmm. built in community. It's like, I don't miss the control <laughs> that right. aspect or the feeling the obligation to be at all the things, but I miss the, yeah, it it was this built-in community. Granted, I can now look back and be like, okay, but it was rooted in, you have to follow the rules to belong. (laughs) It was this conditional community. I can see that now, uh, but it doesn't make it easier to be like, okay, yeah. How how do I meet new people now? If my whole avenue of doing it (laughs) was this one thing, what does it look like for me now? And we're in a pandemic. What does it look like for me here? Yeah. Yeah. So I get that the draw of, of community. So what would you say were some of your initial red flags that came up for you at Hillsong? Hmm. Cause you said you, you moved to New York in 2011. Yeah. And I went to Hillsong for about three years. So I went okay, to wow. for like from like 2011 to about 2014. But I started falling off. Probably 2013 is when I started leaving, like when I stopped coming as often. So yeah, I was going there. It was I was it was I was meeting people, you know. It was a very new church. So like it was like a startup. Um, I'm in tech. 
I happen to be in the startup space. Honestly, like I actually am just making this connection, but like mm. I, I'm into that, like building stuff from the ground up. Right. And I had never been to a mega church before. Mm. This was my first and only um, mega church experience. Uh, but when I came in, it was still small enough that you didn't feel like, you know, just like another, like a dot and like a sea of faces. Mm. So like, you know, I started volunteering. I was a part of the connect team. The connect team were the people who like greet people who are standing in line waiting to get in. Cause like New York city, you waiting to get in line for church. Uh, it doesn't matter what time the service is. Wow. If the service is at 10, like people are going to be lined up at least by nine, maybe even earlier. Um, wow. So they have volunteers meet early, come out, greet those people at that time we used to give them snacks too um which was cool like I like doing that like I was meeting new people in the line yeah. like you know you just I'm a friendly person like I'm I'm good at meeting new people I don't really meet mm -hmm. that many strangers so like it was fun I was meeting new people all the time you know um I met some great friends started going to like some connect groups which are like the smaller kind of bible study groups and that's where I really started like plugging in with like community and meeting people mm -hmm. in the connect groups. I met some people that I'm still friends with uh, to this day. I think one of the first red flags I remember was I was in, I was in a connect group and the person, the people who led that connect group were um, two black women, a mother and daughter from maybe from South Carolina maybe from North they're from one of the Carolinas um okay. and they I just read they just felt like family to me black southern women like uh yeah. and I joined that connect group and a few of my friends that I was like friends with in the main church also joined that connect group and people were coming pretty far because um the mom she was probably one of the oldest people in the church. Hillsong was a very young church. Like we mm -hmm. were all in our like early twenties, early thirties, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and yeah, so I had like built like community with this group, like the daughter, she started singing on like on stage, which is like a big deal. And I didn't even really know how that worked. Like, I didn't even know how did you even get to sing on stage? Cause mm -hmm. I really wanted to sing like, that's how I wanted to serve, but yeah. they didn't have that, you know, when I started coming. Um, and so one time I had went after church, I hung out with like this guy from church after church and like, I don't know if I came home late or I didn't come home till the next day. I'm a grown person though. So, mm -hmm. and when I went to connect group next, the mom had said to me like you know why are you hanging out with this man who like literally comes up to get prayed for for having a sex addiction and I was like how do you know that and why is she sharing it with you right <laughs> and so that was like one of the first things that I was like so are people like sharing people's like prayer requests and shit like what's going on um and then when that happened I had while I was going to Hillsong I had an abortion while I was going there and this woman also had had a dream about it and so when she like which is so crazy I didn't tell her but like I saw her the same day and like she was like is it done she like told me she had this dream of me like pulling a fish out of a bowl and showing it to her which is like so crazy very southern if y'all know about mm -hmm. southern superstition dreams like a fish you know um and when she had like exposed this other person's like prayer request to me I thought like what is she telling everyone about what I have going on you know because like I'm feeling mm -hmm. like I can confide in this person and like that this is someone like I can keep confidence with um and I was like oh that's weird and then I got a job because I had like, I was, I really struggled financially moving to New York. It's a really big, obviously big change from living in Florida. Um, and I got a new job that like my hours, sometimes I had to work on Sundays. So I couldn't mm -hmm. like serve for 
12, 10 hours on a Sunday. I couldn't mm-hmm. come from like noon to 10 PM, you know? And so I missed church for a while, but like my friends were so good. They would always send me the notes. Like I was still mm-hmm. very plugged in like to church. And so one Sunday I came and this connect group leader, and maybe it had been a few months, probably like six months since, at least since I seen her at church, like I had been, but you know, maybe she didn't see me. Um, and she came up to me and was like, Hey, like I've been praying for you. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. You haven't called me in six months. Mm -hmm. Like you haven't called me at all. Um, and I was just noticing like the judginess of like these, like who, in my opinion, are baby Christians, because mind you, like I grew up in church and also like my mom was like really into like theological research. So like, I already am like, this church is like fluffy. This is like less than youth church. Like this is, yeah, this is like church for kids. And then these like baby Christians who just got saved Mm -hmm. yesterday are like judging me because I might Mm -hmm. be having sex outside of marriage or because they didn't see me at church for a few weeks without asking me like, what's going on in my life? I was very thrown off by that. Um, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think those were like some of the first things. I was just like noticing like some of the like confidentiality. It just didn't seem like they were like really taking like good care. Not to mention there was like no support as a church. Like I definitely reached out times when I was like financially struggling and they were just like, yeah, we'll pray for you, you know? And they were always saying how like, you know, the only person who gets paid is Carl, like, these other main volunteers aren't getting paid. Kay's not getting paid. You know, Reed's not getting paid. Josh Kimes not getting paid. They would say all these people weren't getting paid. You know, very big on offering, you know, like mm-hmm. make sure you're always tithing though, you know, but like mm-hmm. if you reach out, it's like thoughts and prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember telling my mom that at the time and she was like, you didn't reach out to your church for help. And I was like, I mean, I did. And they said, we'll pray for you. And she was like, what? thoughts and prayers won't pay my bills you know? they sure won't I mean they and you know like I did meet people at church who really helped me during the, those times and really showed up for me and like I don't discount that but I don't think it like I I made those relationships you mm-hmm. know like yeah that's the looking back on my church experiences and the church where I was spiritually abused it's like the system as a whole isn't supporting you You might find individuals within the system who can, but five people can only do so much. It's not, it's, it's not a sustainable model, you know? Um, But yeah, it's just hearing more of your story and connecting that, oh, you were familiar with the tech space and a startup and you could get in there and you could help build it. And so it gives this fire to you in a way. Right. And I think that churches like that are really good at hyping people up and making you feel like you are part of God doing something big here. And then you're serving, you're connecting to people when you're in this connect group and you're getting that community that you were longing for until (laughs) right Right. like until this point and just and I don't want like I don't know the person who did this to you Mm -hmm. uh but thinking how I know my own experiences it's like the concern quote-unquote concern Mm -hmm. and it's like it may be genuine they might they from their perspective they might think they're doing the right thing but when it's within this context of like you were saying you haven't checked on me you know, like how yeah, am I supposed concern, to in my opinion, looks a certain way. It has like certain actions behind mm-hmm. it. Like if you haven't even said, Hey, how are you to me in months? It's hard right. for me to believe that. Yes. Concerned. That, right. Your concern looks more like a control. Yeah. Like move a move mm-hmm. to control my life and have this ownership in a way over what you're doing with your own life and your own decisions. And then this person who is supposed to be who you identified so closely with because of your church experiences growing up, oh, this can be this person for me. And it's like, oh, you're no longer like, I I wouldn't trust you because of what you've shared with me. Like, I can't share things with you now because you're telling me other people's business. So this relationship that should have been safe for you becoming unsafe and the, this other part that I thought of, cause the same with the church where I was spiritually abused, 
the demographic was a lot of 18 to 25 year olds. So it's like these startup churches, these church plans kind of latching onto that demographic. And it's like, you think about it, 18 to 25 year olds, we're pretty malleable at that age. Your brain isn't done developing at that age. And you kind of buy all in if you're not careful. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so then what happens? They took advantage of you 10 to 12 hours of serving for free. Absolutely. Yeah. That and is I remember exploitative. <laughs> like, yeah, and like, so, you know, in, and especially like in New York city, like, and I just want to like, really like stress the, the, what, how different it is to be in a mega church in New York city. Like first cost of living crazy. Like, um, when you're out for 10 plus hours, you know, like I'm barely making my rent being like, man, do I have enough money to eat Chipotle after church? Because I'm not gonna feel like cooking when I get home or like, I don't have groceries Mm -hmm. or like, or like staying out all day and like knowing you have to eat out and being like, fuck, I don't, I don't have it. Like, I don't have the money. And again, like I had people who were great and like, supporting me but it's a lot like working Mm -hmm. for free like and at the time I wasn't even thinking I literally wasn't even thinking about it as like working for free I really was like grateful I I do love building things like from the ground up it is very fun for me it's fun for me to like be feel like I can help create like the culture of a place but also like again like for me it was like the judginess I also remember Mm -hmm. this person saying to me like kind of making a comment of like why do I have friends who are not Christians that don't come Mm -hmm. to church and I just was like but like in the Bible like Jesus wasn't even like that like Jesus hung out with lots of people that people didn't want to hang out with so like and I those were the things too right because like I grew up in church. I'm not someone who doesn't know the Bible. Like literally just by knowing Psalms, you could learn the Bible. <laughs> like yeah. I can quote scripture with the best of them. Yeah. But I also know like some of the stuff y'all be saying, y'all be taking it out of context. And I'm like, when they talk about like Jews and Gentiles, it's very specific what they're talking about. They're not talking about me hanging out with people who are not saved. Like yeah that's and and if and if because I don't believe this but if God wanted us to evangelize the gospel I personally don't believe that he wants us to do that but I think he's God so he could probably do it on his own you know but like it why why would we be evangelizing to save people like the logic like wasn't there that like the doctrine wasn't there the theology wasn't even there and some of the like stuff that I was hearing from people and it it was just like I mean the music is cool but I mean it's not (laughs) gospel or nothing you know so yeah it was yeah there were a lot of red flags just all around honestly yeah Yeah, and just to go back to that point you're making of at the time that you're doing all the serving for free you're not even thinking this is work and I should be getting paid for this and so I had sent you one of the questions that I sent you ahead of this was, I think you follow Janice Legata, who is at God has not given and has such good insights. Um, but yeah, so, and Janice was a guest on Kevin Garcia's podcast, a tiny revolution. And Janice shared about experiences there at Hillsong and being a ghostwriter for sermons. So thinking of all the work that's getting done and no pay for that work and how then an associate pastor would preach those sermons. And so then Janice had this feeling of like, okay, so I can write the sermons, but I can't preach the sermons. Okay. So that's, that's not great. But then feeling the shame because of what we're taught is you should just do the thing, do the serving for God's glory. It's you shouldn't want the praise for it. You should want the credit for it because then you are trying to get glory for yourself. And yeah, so just how the leaders in these toxic environments condition us to sort of joyfully serve them and then to feel shame if we want to be recognized for our contribution. So I was curious if you have any experiences like that from, from Hillsong or from any churches that you've been a part of. Um, so I went to church with Janice 
Um, I remember Did you know Janice, Janice? Quite well? Yeah. I knew Janice. We hung out with a lot of the same people. I haven't seen Janice in I don't know how long. Um, but I actually never knew she was writing sermons. Like when this stuff started coming out, I had no clue. Like wow. I knew Janice was a writer. I knew that she like wrote because she hung out with like a lot of people who were like writers, aspiring writers, you know, it's New York. Yeah. Like, but I never knew that she was like, and apparently she was writing sermons for one of the pastors I mentioned before, Josh Kimes, who was like one of the oh. youth pastors. Um, yeah, I never knew that she was doing all that behind the scenes. Um, and yeah, people are, yeah, the glory is, I guess, only for them, which is very interesting. Um, I'm trying to think about church experiences. It's, I mean, mostly I just, I was always involved in church. So it's like probably all my experiences that, right? Because like, Mm-hmm. I grew up my mom was like in church leadership and so like I was like a kid with a parent in church leadership I was always involved mm-hmm. doing stuff that coming to rehearsals that weren't for me you know yeah. doing all kinds of stuff um in churches that weren't really for me like that whole volunteering experience yeah. with Hillsong like you know 10 plus hours on one yeah. day and then like are you gonna go to midweek service is there like connect group you know that that Mm -hmm. time really adds up um but I don't think unfortunately like I what I have found is like in my adult life in church I feel like people don't think I'm like holy enough right so like Mm -hmm. I grew up singing in church I always that's all I ever want to do is like sing at church Hillsong didn't even know how to figure out how to sing in church um the church I went to after maybe I I did get to sing there sometimes um but yeah I find that churches don't really really care for people like me you know I'm not you know I'm to to Christians I'm extremely too radical I support sex workers I support sex work If people want to have sex before marriage, I think that's cool. If people want to be gay, I think that's also cool. I think trans people are God's truest reflection of like who God might be like. So like Christians don't really like receive me like that. And that's fine because I don't personally care for Christians and those kind. Um, But yeah, I, I feel mostly, especially in my adult life, like excluded from participating in like traditional Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. And like one, I want to just say like, thank you for sharing everything you shared here and, and the experiences that you've shared. Like I, I hold those so tenderly. Um, but yeah, just with this whole culture within not like, you know, Hillsong is just an example of it. It's mm-hmm. not the only example of it. Right. And so that I feel like there is just this undercurrent in so many churches of this, like, you don't have to be a mega church to have a celebrity pastor culture. You know, the culture is there where like you were saying, oh, they get to get the quote glory. It's fine for them to be praised. And then it's like, churches are so focused regardless of their size on their brand and their image. And then if you don't fit that brand and that image that they're trying to sell, because it's so capitalistic driven, it's such a consumer like, you know, all these churches, even the church I went to, like they would release EPs, even though we were this tiny church mm-hmm. and it was about getting the people on the stage and behind the mic who fit the image. And so for you to be excluded, it's like, this isn't of God. This exclusion is not of God, right. um, but putting Jesus's name on it, getting the stamp of approval mm-hmm. um, for their culture wars of all the things that they want to, yeah, the division that they're sowing and all these things. So, so you said that you were there for, for three years, but you kind of already started to leave once your work schedule yeah. uh, prevented you from being able to, to do all that would have been required. So yeah. yeah, like how did you leave and what was that process like for you getting out of Hillsong? Yeah. So uh, like I said, like after that connect group leader that I had felt close to kind of was like, well, I've been praying for you. And I was like, that's weird. That really like turned me off. And I was like, 
I had this whole, and I remember like telling my friends like, yo, I had this like kind of like run in with this person and like, it didn't make me feel good. Cause a few of my friends probably by that time, this would have been like 2013, um, were like getting ready to go to Bible college, right? Mm -hmm. Like some of my friends, a few of my friends, a couple went to Hillsong Bible College in Australia. Yeah. Um, and so I was working, I, at my job, I had met a good friend whose parents actually had a church and he was super cool. Like he wasn't, he was like, I don't believe in God at all. I was like, oh, okay. Your parents have a church though. <laughs> um, and so we went there, I started going there and we just were like, became good friends. And honestly, like, I just felt that their church was, was a very small church up in Harlem, maybe like. 50 people maybe 100 people in total um it was just like a group of really like again multi-ethnic group of people but more like me like mm-hmm. more like me like I saw myself in people in the group um and those people like really became my family so once kind of I remember the last time I went to Hillsong they were having church at I'm pretty sure it was at Irving Plaza and uh, one of my friends from Los Angeles who had met through another friend uh, at Hillsong, she was visiting and she was like, let's meet up. I was like, great, let's go. She was like, let's meet at Hillsong. I was like, cool, I haven't been in a while, but let's go. And I came in, was like waiting for her, trying to find a seat. And like, if any of y'all have watched the documentary, like I was there before they started making reserve seats. And then I do remember when it was like, volunteers please give up your seats like so that these celebrity vip guests can sit you know like i was there when i was allowed to sit on the front row and i remember when we weren't allowed to sit on the front row and i remember when i was asked as a volunteer to give up my seat and stand during service so um like yeah i was like i was i had gone in to go try to find us a seat I sat down and someone came over to me, a volunteer, and was like, this section is for youth. You cannot sit here. And I snapped. I was like, do you know this is a church? Mm-hmm. I was like, you, I was like, this is a church. If this was my first time here, do you think I would stay? Do you think I would come back? Mm-hmm. I was like, you have no idea who I am. I've, I have no idea who you are. I've gone to this church for years. Is this how you talk to people whose first time is here at a church? Is this how you talk to people? I snapped on that person and I left and I never went back to Hillsong after that. Wow. Yeah, wow. because this, the, and like, because there's a lot of social ladder climbing also mm-hmm. that happens in Hillsong. Like I had already watched people be elevated without doing anything like people that I went to my connect group with are suddenly like singing on stage and I'm like I didn't even know she sang at all but I do know she's dating someone Mm -hmm. who runs in the right circles now you know like and so that kind of stuff like a lot of volunteer leaders really used to get drunk with power and like feel like they could talk to people any kind of way I used to hear horror stories all the time especially from some of the groups of like white women groups and stuff like that so by that time I was like this is absolutely not okay this is Mm -hmm. not a culture I want to be a part of and I left and it was a few years later when I was like was that a cult (laughs) yeah and I would say yes yeah I would say that Hillsong is absolutely a personality cult and to just see the culture created of this, you give up your seats for the celebrity people. And it's like, okay, this is so antithetical to what, if, if, if we're going to believe what right. Jesus came to do, if, if what you're teaching me that Jesus came to do was this upside down kingdom, this isn't upside down kingdom behavior. If you're making the, you know, like if you are yeah. still centering the celebrity or making sure that they have comfort, it's like, that's antithetical to what you're teaching to what you right. say you believe. Yeah. And just kind of holding those two experiences of your last time 
there and what you have been feeling in your body and experiencing there versus the church that you're then welcomed into where the son isn't even like saying, I don't even believe in God, you know, like these, these different experiences and you being on your journey out of that and into this, like, you know, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but thinking about how the teachings that I know I was subject to lead to a very disembodied and disconnected from myself experience yeah. and, and a lack of trust of myself for interpreting the reality around me. And then to yeah. be part of a, like to come out of that and to start being on this journey, healing and reconnecting with all of who you are and being able to show up with all of who you are in an embodied way. I'm just curious, like what has your life been like on the other side of Hillsong as you heal and what does healing look like for you now at Um, this time? Yeah. So I think one thing I always say about my Hillsong experience and that I feel very grateful for is like, I can say I wasn't really drinking the Kool-Aid like that. Right. And I think that when we talk about like, when we think about like the demographic of 18 to 25, because also now that I'm a tech person, like startups also prey on that demographic. Mm -hmm. They pay them less. They have them excited. You know, they have Mm -hmm. that energy. They're so ready to go. They pay them less. They're just happy to be there. You know, Um, I think that because I grew up in church and like my mom also grew up in church. Like I was always skeptical about church. I think like when you're in church leadership or like close to church leadership, you get to see behind the scenes. And I think that like, I've always been skeptical about church. And it's because like, I remember like I grew up, my mom was a church musician. And then we stopped going to church for a few years. Mm -hmm. Like my mom experienced very serious church hurt. My mom got pregnant with me and was like, and had to leave her home church that she grew up with because she got pregnant with me out of wedlock. So like, I knew about like church hurt. And so I always went into like church communities, very skeptical. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, I don't, I didn't really feel like, I feel like I got out of Hillsong what I was looking for, like, which is Mm -hmm. community. But I think And like, I do find that in all through church, I really was wrestling with who I was. Like, I wasn't even able to really realize I was queer until after I got completely out of church. Like after this church too, the set, the one I went to after, Mm -hmm. Um, like I really couldn't like church. I really think that church was like a big reason why I couldn't really Mm -hmm. come to terms with my queerness. I didn't come Mm -hmm. out until I was 25. And I literally had no idea before that, even though I had been with women when I was like 19, like it was still like so beyond me that like I'm actually queer. Um, And I think church had a lot to do with that. So I think that healing for me has been, like you said, it's been a lot about like connecting to like who I really, really am um what I believe in what I think is true um what I think people should be like how I think people should treat me how I think people Mm -hmm. should treat others um yeah it's just been yeah a lot of like and honestly it's been a lot of like minding my own business and like you Mm -hmm. know like the church like they mind other people's business that's kind of like the business of the church right is to be like oop they're not living right oop they didn't pay their tithes last week oop mm-hmm. their child their daughter's pregnant and I know she's not married you know like that's how I feel like church gets and that can happen in any community but church has such this like moral high ground they mm-hmm. sit on and like I really had to like get myself away from that to be able to really like see who I really am and now I'm like 33 so it's been like eight ish nine years or so since I went to Hill nine ish almost nine years since I went to Hillsong and um yeah I sometimes I can't even believe that that's like a chapter of my life that I like was like going to a mega church and was like inviting my friends and was like yeah sometimes I'm like super embarrassed but I think at the end of the day I feel very grateful for the people that I met I feel 
grateful to learn about Hillsong's music. Like I got to go there when Oceans came out. I was a member of Hillsong. Like I got to tell you amazing times at Hillsong. Like really incredible. Like that was really my first foray into like CCM, like white contemporary mm-hmm. Christian music. And I feel very grateful for that. I think like Hillsong was they were a talented band like I personally kind of stop I have a stopping point which is about where I left that's where I stopped listening to the music mm-hmm. um but the people that I met there like those friendships are honestly like I'm I was literally thinking about this conversation like it's been 10 years and I'm like thinking of all the people that I met who like I just text yesterday you know mm-hmm. like when the yeah so I feel really grateful for that. And that's another thing of being like, hey, like not beating myself up mm-hmm. over having that experience. Cause it's like, it really could happen to anyone. People are like, no one looks to join a cult. That's right. what they always right. say. No yeah. one looks to join a cult. And that's exactly like how it is. You just wake up one day and be like, fuck, is that a cult? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, just it it sounds like right you had this healthy skepticism rooted in your mom's experience and your own experiences and what you saw behind the curtain right but then the community that drew you in and, and the the passion of it all and what they could cultivate there um, but like we were talking about before we even started the call like things having a beginning a middle and an end and then your time at Hillsong coming to an end and being able to look back and have this compassion towards you at that age and at that time and to be like, okay, well, here's what I can take from that experience. Here's how it, here's how I can see that it did help me. And then for the places where it didn't like to just yeah hold yourself gently and, and that experience with so much tenderness because you were still so young, right. you know, yeah. like you're, you're so young, 23 years old. It's like, yeah. what? Yeah, I know. I'm like, I always say that's like age, like four as an adult, yeah. five as an adult. You know? I mean, it's, it's wild to me. Cause I think I know very few people who make consistently wise decisions, like in their thirties, forties, fifties. So you, right. I can't expect myself at 22 to have made consistently wise decisions. No so you made the decisions based on the information you had. And then yeah. when you got new data, you know, like when yeah, my friend Danielle Stocker, yeah. she, she talks about the data, you know, listen to the data, sort through the data, make a decision based on the data. Mm-hmm. So it's like with new data, you got out of a cult, <laughs> you know, with the new data you exited. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And you mentioned this earlier about the documentary. And so I was curious, like, have you watched it? Did you watch it? Yeah. So I watched it, like, I think the day after it came out. Wow. My one of my really good friends is one of the main voices, Brando Cress. Wow. He is my he's one of the first people I met going there. I met him in that connect group that I was talking wow. about. Um, he's in my band now. Like we're still very good friends. And um honestly, it was kind of triggering. I, I it's been mm-hmm. so long. I think I wasn't like expecting to, like, right. You said nine years, right. Yeah, so you like, were thinking, I mean, I, again, yeah. I was in the early days, like it's like the stuff didn't start coming out to like 2019, 2020. So like, by that point, I've been gone over five years from the church. Um, I definitely didn't expect to have like some reactions. Cause like the woman that Carl they show that he cheated with. I went to church with her. I remember seeing her at church. Like, uh, there's been like so many allegations against like Re Bogar, who was one of my pastors mm-hmm. when I went there. Josh yeah. Kimes, like all these like sexual allegations of sexual assault, rape. Like, mm-hmm. it's very scary to uh, think about what's going on. And, and watching the documentary, I was just like, it's easy to blame it on Carl, (laughs) you know, like it's very easy to blame it on Carl. And I'm glad the documentary kind of touched on that. Like, because the church I went to after was also a part of the Australian assemblies of God. And they were actually put in touch with Carl Lentz at when he first started and offered to kind of like help him get the lay of the land of New York City. They have been pastors in New York for over two decades. Like, yeah. Um, and he was like, no, I don't need your help to them. Right. Like, which is 
interesting way to build community but uh okay um yeah so when I watched the documentary it was just like I can't believe like all this shit like happened Mm -hmm. you know thinking about like the labor abuse like like, I think that part is hard for me because as someone who was like working very low wage jobs I was like working in retail at one Mm -hmm. point working in restaurants at another point like very low wage jobs like to be doing free labor but then have someone like judge me for working instead of going to church you know like those kind of experiences like it's like poverty is not a moral failing right right Mm -hmm. and I think that like there's so many bits of like it's like all the gospel they adopt to turn into this like pop culture gospel because I think about like Carl Lentz messages right and like Mm -hmm. one was like gold in the garbage like what a left on my which is like a one-way street in Soho New York you can't actually turn you can only turn left so maybe the message is called a right on my because you can't turn left on my it's a one way a right on my uh, there was a relationship series called That's the Way Love Goes. Like, I'm sorry, like, does this man sound like he has a sound theology? Like, it's very much giving, like, the view church, you know? It's just, and, and, and I remember being like, but this is like youth church. Like, they don't talk about spiritual warfare. I remember, like, making these comments, like, yeah. of like, I'm used to them talking about some real things at church and, like, it was so fluffy. I remember my mom one time being like, did your pastor say something when they passed gay marriage? They were like, did your pastor say something? And I was like, no, he didn't. She was like, well, he needs to. And I was like, well, I don't think, I think he's like minding his business or whatever. Like, I personally don't think that like he needs to say something. But then I hear that they were like telling queer people that they need to be straight. Like, or if you're queer, like you're getting fired from volunteering or like, you know, that was really shocking to hear but it also like made me feel very sound in my decision to leave Hillsong Church which I never questioned ever like Mm -hmm. it but it was like when you leave church churches you do lose community and like when I left the church after that I lost a lot of community you know Mm -hmm. like but also it's like we don't align anymore like I don't really believe that stuff And like, I was finally able to figure out, hey, this isn't something that I really believe. Mm -hmm. Or like, if I did, it would be a very different interpretation than what you had. So I think like the documentary just, it was, it was a little hard to watch, but it was just like, aren't you so glad you left when you did? Yeah. 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 I mean, by the time you're watching it, you're nine years out, you're not expecting all the things that are going to come up for you. Right. Yeah, that's hard. And to just look back on it and think about your experiences there and to think the, you know, from the pulpit, there's not this robust theology being talked about uh, that. I don't know. Like, I feel like if you don't know that, then you would think that based on the music that they release and how talented it all is, that it's supposed to be this like, invited the fact that they have a school, you know, like for whatever, you know, like the, the Bible school, you'd think it's going to be this more robust theology that you're getting. And so then to be disappointed in that way, but then that they're not talking about things from the pulpit that like regarding gay marriage or things like that, but then, you know, undercover telling people things. And it's, uh, like I spoke with one of the founders of church clarity, this website, church clarity, in season two or three, everything's blurring together now, but it's like church clarity. You can go and type in a church into that website and it lets you know how clear or unclear that church is on different policies so that, you know, they said our goal isn't to make every church become affirming of LGBTQ or to be complementarian. I mean, it's to be egalitarian. We want to show it. We want to expose if they are being clear about it or if they're, you know, so a church like Hillsong and even a kind of a more mega church that I was part of after we left the, um, the one church, you wouldn't know that they're not because they're not talking about it. 
But then on their policies or on their website, if you do some digging, you find out, oh, and so you would know before going, this isn't going to be a safe place as Mm -hmm. a queer person to go or, oh, they don't, you know, so it's just interesting. It's like, they don't advertise it on their Sunday mornings. Why, why aren't they advertising it? You know? And so they know where they are. I mean, New York city wouldn't be a place to advertise that. You don't think that people should be gay if you want them to come to your church. If if you need their, you need their money, you need their tides, you know? So yeah. So just thinking through all of that, it's a lot. Well, so Nandi, what message do you have for anyone who is defending Hillsong or the similar church environments? You know, I just like, what are you defending? I, 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 my, I think my, I would have a question for them. It's like, you, what, what are you defending? Like, why are you going to a church that requires you, a member, to shield it from very valid critique? I would encourage people to listen to what the, the victims and survivors are saying. Like, listen to people who were there. I mean, you should listen to the people who are there because I just wonder like what you're defending what do you gain from defending I'm sure it's something like in your belief that you need to believe that like Hillsong is something but Hillsong is like the name of an institution it's nothing Hillsong is really nothing but the people that make it up and so if you care about the people that make it up the if you you have to care about the truth like what's true like these people aren't here lying for fun. Like I, I can sit here and say, like, I benefited from going there. But I can also say that there was a lot of harmful things happening there at the same time. It's both and. It's not either or. If your church needs you to defend it, you need to find another church. Because really, those institutions are supposed to be there to stand up for you, not the other way around. That's so good. That's so good. That that's the that's the whole nutshell of it, right? Yeah. Oh, get a new church. Period. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, these final questions that I have for you are ones I'm actually borrowing from Tasha Hunter, and they're questions that she asks her guests on her podcast when we speak to close out their conversations, and I just love them. So, who or what inspires you? Um, right now, I think I'm inspired by young creators. I think I'll say if I say somebody specific right now, I would say like Chloe and Hallie. Um, I've been watching them since they were little girls on YouTube recording covers. And now they like are Beyonce's protégés. And every time they put out new music, Chloe just put out something new a couple weeks ago it's just like it really like gets me going to see kids in their 20s or young adults in their 20s like really being able to connect with who they are early like I wish I really was like super in touch like with that part of myself when I was like 20 or 21 you know but um that always makes me feel real good that the kids are all right yeah I love that well who or what makes you laugh um cat videos on tiktok Um, I think I forgot what this cat's name is, but the cat that I follow, he knows how to lock his dog companion friend in a cage. And I just love cats doing anything. (laughs) I love that. I did not know there was a whole subset of cat talk, you know, absolutely. I love that. That's fantastic. Um, What song or type of music gets you dancing? Mm, so much but I would probably say like disco I love disco music I feel like it didn't have a long enough era Mm -hmm. to be around but yeah disco Michael Jackson's off the wall album Donna Summer no yeah anything disco I love it yes oh that's that's amazing well where can people find you on social media to stay up to date on your music and anything else that you have going on Yes, you can follow me on all social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter at Nandi, K-A-Y-Y-Y, Nandi K. You can subscribe to my Patreon. I also do updates there. I'm also Nandi K on Patreon and my website, NandiK.com. Awesome. I'll put all that in the notes and I didn't even know you had a Patreon. 
Is that yeah, new? I'm so bad or... about it. I've had it oh. for like a year, but I'm like not that active. I haven't okay. been, but I'm trying to get back into it. So yeah. well, yeah. I will definitely include all that. And Nandi, thank you so much for thank taking this time to talk with me today about your experiences at Hillsong, the things that drew you in and the things that kind of led to you leaving it and being so vulnerable about your journey. And I enjoyed our time together today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Of course, we'll come back anytime. Thank you so much for listening to Broadening the Narrative. Follow me on Instagram at Broadening the Narrative. If you haven't yet, please rate, review, and follow the podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Your engagement helps others find the show. If you like what you heard today, share it with a friend and on your social media. I really think that little by little, person by person, we can broaden the narrative. My memoir, Ask Familiar's Family, is now available to purchase through my website at NikkiPappas.com. As Familiar's Family explores how I was groomed for toxic relationships and religion and how I got out. And I know I'm not the only one. So head to my website to buy a copy for yourself and anyone else who is hurting and healing from toxic relationships and religion. The music for this season was created by Joshua Pappas, my oldest child. We worked together using the Chrome Music Lab Songmaker and had so much fun. I also want to thank Daniel Bolin for creating the episode graphic. You can access the Broadening the Narrative blog and transcripts for podcast episodes as they become available by visiting my website. Until next time, grace and peace, friends.